this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. And Jay, we've got a new member of the union joining us, but he's an old member that's a new member. Uh, Welcome back. Peter Hertz, he's uh, he was with us, and then he found out about the new poll that's that just went up, and he said, "I gotta get on, gotta get in on that poll. I gotta make sure the pinback uh, beats out Billy <laughs> Idol, which is clearly a poll that will never happen anywhere else in the universe. <laughs> it's simply impossible that anyone else will. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> we're also in, in the planet and." And any time in recent in modern history has Billy Idol gone against Pinback? Never. It's never happened. It never will happen again. This is this is like Haley's Comet, but not every eighty-seven years or whatever it is. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity here that we're providing for people. So make sure you get on the uh, Patreon train like Peter just did, and uh, help us out to uh, pick a winner in that poll every month. Be heard. Be heard. Pinback or Billy Idol? Which is it? I, you know, Kay's choice is pretty high up in that poll I saw as well. I checked that before we, we did this episode. So let's not, there's a dark horse there. Uh, Kay's choice could be. Um, they are only a couple of votes away. You're right. Bear mm-hmm. Jr., not too far away. And, All of uh, those could be. Uh, Bobby Bear Jr. plays the guitar in Guided by Voices now. Yep. And could, uh, could make a run here if we get some folks to, a uh, couple more folks to join us at dmounion.com drop their votes for one of those bands. We could see an upset. So for this episode, Jay, uh, it's a Chris Martz pick. He's a patron and it's his, his 12 month pick. But unfortunately, um, Chris, who has, who's come to us with some really, uh, interesting episodes in the past we did. Um, let's see. What was last year's last year's episode was, uh, season to risk. Uh, in a perfect world. Um, before that, it was Cafe Tacuba, and then Far, Tin Cans with Strings to You, and then before that was Brainiac. And he's also joined us for a number of roundtable episodes, including our Kiss. Hence the the, the Kiss. That's why I went with this for for Chris. He's not able to join us, Jay. He's well. I'll just let him describe it. He said, "Thanks for letting me get my pick in. I'm disappointed. I can't be joining you guys." to discuss this record, but don't worry. I'm sure I'll be back on future episodes, especially once the new metal episodes begin. <laughs> While most of the Discord <laughs> community knows what I'm doing for the rest of the podcast listeners, I'm still through hike I'm still hiking through the Appalachian Trail. As I'm writing this, I'm at Mount Greylock, the highest point in Massachusetts. Tomorrow I will have completed sixteen hundred miles hiked oh on the trail. Oh my goodness, Chris. And we'll cross into Vermont. By the time this episode is released, I will probably be in New Hampshire tackling some of the most difficult mountains on the whole trail. I don't often post 
I don't post as often as others, but my Instagram is at the Chris Martz. That's at the Chris M A R T Z. If anyone wants to follow my journey, and he's been posting a lot of pictures wow. from the Appalachian Trail, I can't wait to be back home to reconnect with everyone and keep the great episodes coming. So that's where Chris is. That's why he's not joining us this year. Dang, he's, that is incredible. He is doing something that, uh, yeah, that is amazing. 1600 miles hiked and he's just been going for months. I mean, that's a, that's a, that is a bucket list item for some people, not me. I, I don't like being outside, but, uh, for some people that I, the outside is nice. I mean, I could go into my backyard, but that's about <laughs> it. Um, I am following him on Instagram and I am, I admire <laughs> him for doing this. We only live once. And to say that you've done this and have this experience is pretty incredible. So yeah. Good on you, Chris, and thanks for staying somehow managing to stay plugged into what the hell we are got going on over here uh, while you're hiking across the country, basically. Well, I imagine with, you know, cell phone, you know, ubiquitous cell phone service now pretty much everywhere. Uh, he can download the episode each Tuesday and stay up to date with what's going on in the podcast while as he's hiking. I don't imagine or, or listening to um, Brainiac as he's marching through the trails. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, of the Appalachian uh, Trail. But he did say, uh, you know, he did provide us with a record. So let's get into that. He said, my choice is the 1995 self-titled release on Hollywood Records from Chicago's Wicker Man. A few months back, I received a private message on Discord from fellow patron Stephen Musinski. He told me how much he liked my album picks because I tend to pick albums that are more heavy and noisy. So since I'm unavailable to join you on this episode, I'd figured I I figured I'd at least pick an album that I'd enjoy and that he'd enjoyed as well. That is very sweet. Our, our patrons hanging out in the in their own separate nice. chats. Um, he said I first heard of this band when I saw them opening for Machine Head and Stuck Mojo. I didn't know much about them back then, and there isn't much info about them that I can find this record reminds me of the season to risk album we previously covered, but with way more hooks in the context of the mid nineties, I could easily see them compared to corrosion of conformity or monster magnet for a modern day comparison. I'm reminded of a band like torch. Both are noisy and sludgy, but have a, but have great hooks that get stuck in your head. Jay, were you familiar with wicker man? The name sounds vaguely familiar, but I can't say, um, for sure I that I had any sense of who they were. Um I I had a general idea of what they might sound like. Um but that's about it. Uh well the Wicker Man was a movie both in like the 70s and the uh, 90s. Yeah. The 90s I believe has Nicolas Cage and it's like a crazy horror film which I've never seen. Um I just know there are bees involved. Uh the Wicker Man I, I did not know the band but the cover looked familiar and then I realized that that's the same font on the Buck Cherry debut album. Uh, and that's why maybe it looked familiar because of that weird font, whatever that is. But no, I, uh, I had no idea, you know, who this band were. It's one album from this band. Um, as mentioned, it was from Chicago. The, so the lineup for this is on vocals and bass is Keith Pastrick on guitar. You have AJ Guba and Matt Tuit or Twight. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. T U I T E. Uh, drums is Bill Daniel. It was produced uh, by Brendan Burke and Stephen Hagler. 
and uh, was recorded at Loose Booty Studio in Chicago. Well, half of it, and then half of it was recorded at Tracks in North Hollywood. Um, yeah, and so what's funny is if you go to Discogs, obviously there's hardly any information, but you know, Discogs breaks each release into separate formats. So they're, you know, you, so you can buy them on CD or cassette or vinyl. This was only released on CD and vinyl. However, if you go to the CD page, it lists the style as, or the, the genre is rock. And then the style is heavy metal or stoner rock. Okay. I can see that. If you go to the cassette page, it lists the genre as rock, but the style as alternative rock, grunge, indie rock. I, I, that doesn't make sense to me. It's the same no. album, but <laughs> just because the format changed, it's a completely different, uh, completely different uh, well, style. Yeah, in the '90s, I would say metal was a weird genre for a while. Like, yeah, nothing was metal anymore. <laughs> um, seemingly, even though. I think in hindsight it was. Crows are conformity is a good example. They probably were called indie or alt rock or something at the time. And looking back, it's metal. Um, they did release uh, prior to the this album coming out in '95. In '94, they released a seven inch uh, with Shit Kicker on one side and Slack on the other, and then they released a split seven inch with a band called the Gel Tones. Also including, um, that was on, the first 7-inch was on Imago, and then the split was on Trash Can Records, and then the promo single released by Hollywood Records for this was the song You Annoy Me, and that's it. Uh, they appear on some compilations, uh, which is, if, there, if you go to, what's the name of the website? Um, there's actually an article about them. It's about uh, bands that were uh, heavy bands, not on Spotify, basically. That and if you, uh, I think it's a version is the website. Uh, they mentioned something about possibly there being an EP that was released at some point, but not being able to. It's not listed on disc and on Discogs. Which, to be fair, Discogs is completely user run in terms of that. It's not, it's, if it wasn't put up there by somebody who has the EP, then it's not going to be listed there. So, um, and this is Wicker Man, two words. Don't confuse that with reggae artist Wicker Man, just is just one word. I know that's, uh, that can confuse some people. Uh, so comments over at Patreon, Jay. We'll get to the poll at the end of this episode. Kyle Bittner said, this is a wicked album and monster with monster metal riffs. Very reminiscent of Tad, but with hardcore vocals. Why they broke after this, broke up after this, is beyond me. Worthy album all the way. Stephen Musinski says, Tad, you say, well, this changes my current listening plans. Here we go again with another album not on Soul Seek and a terrible quality YouTube rip. Anyone have this to share? Unfortunately, someone did. Uh, Richard Waterman says, this particular YouTube rip is not too bad, actually. Uh... And then said, never heard of this. Thanks to Chris Martz. It's a mix of Tad, Paw, and some other things. I'm going to call it alternative stoner metal with hardcore guitars. Love the heavy riffage on Sugarfoot, which is my favorite track. Where the album. 
Gavin said, I've never heard of this band and I hesitated as I'm a Luddite who doesn't really use YouTube, but I'm glad I did. This is cool. Pity it's not more accessible. Where the album? Uh, Aaron said, this is why I love this podcast. Somehow I had never heard of these guys before, but it is right up my alley. Vocals remind me a bit of John Garcia from Caius. Shame about the sound quality as this needs to be listened to loud. Gets a little long at the end, but I am voting worthy album. My wife is not happy I cranked this up. Willie Dillon, this is pretty sick. I really love, I really like the raw but crisp production. It's heavy as a brick of cheese and yet goes down like a nice Chardonnay. <laughs> wow. And then, okay. Yeah. And you don't want to eat too much cheese. Just saying. Might mess up your your stomach. Uh, Nate Smith, I'm going with a worthy album as well. Tight production and riffs for days. Cool find altogether. Good mowing music when you're pissed and you have to mow with a three-wheel push mower. Nate. <laughs> Nate. Get yourself get yourself four wheels. Come on. Three wheel. Three wheel. Never heard of such a thing. That sounds like I've awful. heard of a two-wheel push mower, and I've I've heard of a four-wheel powered mower. I mean, treat yourself to a hundred dollar craftsman. My God. I actually got a um electric mower last year. I did too, but uh before that, when I I think I had a hundred dollar craftsman. It lasted me about fifteen years. So yeah, those things don't. Unless you, all you got to do is shave the or is a is a sharpen the blade every once in a while. Yep, yeah, that's it. Totally, totally. Check the oil. When it died, I went electric, but electric is a kind of a big spend. So right, but I figure after a certain amount of time, it pays for itself because you're not buying gas. Oh yeah, spark absolutely. Plugs, oil, but, all that kind of stuff. But if you don't got the cash, I mean, God, don't punish yourself with a three wheel motor. Go get a craftsman right so that's all of our comments from patreon uh, on this record want to uh get into it let's get into it jay tell me one thing you liked about the self-titled 1995 album by wicker man well we touched on it already this to me is a metal band um from the nineties, obviously that, um, was a unique time for the genre. I think they, what distinguishes them is you get a cool, like nineties groovy drum bass and sometimes riff feel, um, maybe like a white zombie or, a, I guess at times Christian conformity or Pantera, maybe even subtly, but there's something here that is different there's something going on guitar wise specifically that I think distinguishes this band from those other bands that gets a little bit more textured, maybe even spacey at times. Um, I don't know if it's a delay or just the way the parts are played or the tone, but there's some way that these guitars combine together where uh, they they create a sound. Um, there's some, there's like bending and squeals and harmonics and um, even just riffs that get out of the kind of monotonous groove oriented nineties metal feel and go to some places that I think are more melodic, um, a little bit dissonant, a little bit more interesting. Um, and, and it can be even just, for a chorus or maybe a little lick here or there, um, you know, a, a B section or a transition, but it's enough that 
to me distinguishes this band and gives them a unique sound vocally uh, i think we touched on it in some of the comments it can sound a little maybe white zombie-ish at times um you know it's a gruff kind of vocal or you know raspy like i guess the delivery tends to be kind of a yell uh but it but he but it carries you know a melodic sense it's not atoll um and i think at times can also um uh, complement the guitarist quite a bit so you know they do a lot of like you know fitting that vocal in off a riff you know do they'll do a riff um burst and then you know have space for the vocal um so it's a cool uh i think juxtaposition between this grindy you know get bass and drum sound that can be very um punchy and sometimes a little mathy too you know i think there's some rhythmically some things on here that at times they'll you know drag or push and pull and kind of do some um nice little surprises you know in terms of like anticipating how the rhythm is going to play out or dragging it or pulling it back and, and just kind of you know, molding it a bit more with these guitars over top that can be either locked up or sometimes, you know, the second guitar in particular can float. Um, so it's an interesting juxtaposition of um, some spacier sounds, some dissonant sounds, but also some straight, you know, more straightforward groove oriented, I guess, metal, you know, undertones, um, you know, from a songwriting standpoint, I also like that they tend to be pretty concise. You know, the, a lot of metal like this can go on and on and on, you know, uh, typical to have four plus minute songs, pretty standard across the record, um, or maybe even become a little bit progressive and, I mean, you know, kind of epic. I'm thinking of like later in 2000s, you get bands like The Sword that, you know, can have musically some similarities here but going a little bit more of a progressive kind of um, direction. This stuff is concise. You know, there's a lot of songs on here that are under just over two minutes or around the three minute mark. I think the majority of the material here is, is in that area, which was also, um, you know, we talk about it a lot about, you know, being compact and getting the point and the power of, you know, editing and brevity, um, but you don't hear that a lot in metal. And I, it was kind of interesting to hear. Um, maybe that's another place where the torch comparison would come in where, you know, the song can be a little bit unconventional in that way. Um, they don't belabor the point and go on and on. They, you know, if they, if they've got an idea that can be wrapped up in two minutes, they'll wrap it up in two minutes, which is, uh, which is nice. So yeah, definitely, um, you know, it's got a nineties metal vibe to it. But uh, I think there's some stuff on here that distinguish it. Um, I think at times there's a couple songs on here like Party Girl and Slack that can go as far as even being reminiscent of something like Stone Temple Pilots, like the first record core um, in that heavy kind of vein.
but you know it can go some other places like white zombie erosion and conformity or things that are much more progressive and um aggressive um as well so covers quite a bit of ground very 90s but um an interesting listen in that uh i think it typifies what was going on but also uh distances itself a little bit and and just the specifics of how it's put together what do you think of it well i really enjoyed it um i this is why i love doing this podcast is one of one of our listeners brings us something that we had no idea existed and and then we find this record here that i I heard everything that people are talking about in terms of tad and corrosion of conformity and and all those bands and then i also picked up on you know a song like miscalculate reminded me of helmet there's a real helmet drive to that song the the even the vocal uh has a page hamilton feel to it um so and I, I hear what people are saying with regards to White Zombie. It's sort of like White Zombie, you know, early, pre-Astro Creep, digital drums, that kind of stuff. But with the sort of funhouse Halloween aspect <laughs> removed. Um, but I like this a lot better. I, I think these songs, you mentioned it. I mean, there are songs that are 215, 205, 213. I mean, they are not afraid to like, get in and get out which is really interesting for a band that's this heavy usually only hear that in like hardcore which i wouldn't be surprised if these guys had done time in a hardcore band before that because there's such a conciseness to so much of this record i mean it's 13 songs in 48 minutes uh which is unheard of for 1995 i mean a metal band they should be making a 60 minute record with with 13 songs um but i just i'm a sucker for Give me a really solid drummer who who knows how to keep the the drive going, the propulsion in the song, and some big dr- drop D down tuned riffs that you know throw in some harmonics. Give me some bends, some bluesy, dirty corrosion of conformity uh, type bends, or um, what's that? Not Circus of Power. Uh, maybe yeah, I, or, yeah, like that band would do some like heavy. Yeah, blues influenced hard rock that I I could hear in in some of the band or some of the songs on this record, um, but I I definitely heard you annoy me. It was another one that kind of gave me a helmet vibe in the repetitiveness of that of that riff, um, and I know these are not some of these are uh, pretty stock riffs i mean when you get into drop d you tend to do like the dinner you know like that kind of stuff and um i'm okay with that if the song around it is interesting enough and he's got some interesting lyrics going on here and there to the point where i was playing this um in my office and uh, katie my wife was sitting behind me and uh she was like what did he just say (laughs) i was like (laughs) I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but I, I think he, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, but it sounded interesting. Yeah. And um, this is definitely not one you want to play around your kids because there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of naughty words spread out along among this album. But man, this is a lot of fun to just crank. And I just got new speakers at my desk. I'm no young, longer using my um, laptop speakers. Good to uh <laughs> not that i would use it to review records i, I use my headphones but yep. now i can crank my, my desk speakers and uh gives me nice bass and and it's a real 
big sound. And um, when they weren't in the house, I was cranking this and I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is a, as Nate said, this is a good mowing the lawn record. This is going <laughs> to this is going to cut right through the noise. Um, so you're, I, you're going to remove one of those wheels from your lawnmower, aren't you? And I am I'll be doing wheels. Who needs these four wheels? Exactly. Let's crank some wicker man and drag it through the mud. I I did not uh, expect this to last. I thought, you know, getting into the record, you kind of figure it out what it is after the first couple songs. I mean, they're not like they're not changing it up so much that you're like, oh, I wonder will they do a samba next? Like you get it after the first couple songs. Yeah. But when I thought it was thirteen songs, I was like, well, this is gonna wear out its welcome. And really, I didn't feel that way. I mean, I think the the first half is definitely m- m- better. Uh, but I don't think it's bad on the second half at all. Um, I think probably just a little fatigue just because it's, it's so heavy and and uh, that's all. But I, I was really shocked at wh- how well this record went down in terms of like I would be listening to it and then I would go look over. I'm like, oh, I'm on track 12. Like this is flying by. So uh, anything else that worked for you on this record? I think the drumming is pretty exceptional. I think it does a lot of cool fills and again, plays with time a lot and hesitation and builds Mm -hmm. interesting rhythms where, you know, to me, it's a lot of fun for records like this, where, you know, there'd be kind of like a syncopated or a weird like feel to a verse that really just draws me in. Cause then you're like, Ooh, what's going to happen next? You know, you're trying to figure out the feel and it it just becomes engaging. Right. It's just like when the drummer's not totally predictable. So you mentioned like helmet, I can hear similarities and miscalculate to helmet definitely from a riff standpoint. When you listen to those drums, like helmet would never do drums like that. And to me, that's what makes this band coolers because, you know, they will stagger a little bit and kind of play with time and mess with your head a bit, which pulls me in as a listener and keeps it interesting, you know, listen after listen um, where it's like, you know, there's kind of like a mastery almost to listen to the record of, figuring all those little accents out and all those little fills and all those little bits and parts um, that at first aren't expected. But then as you go, you start to learn them and it kind of becomes part of the fun of the listen is uh, when that's going to happen and anticipating that. So I think the drumming is pretty exceptional. And I guess we, we, we I can't leave the, what I liked without talking about the thin Lizzie cover. Yeah. Um, But it ends with don't believe a word. cool for 1995 i mean i feel like thin lizzie had a bit of a resurgence in the 2000s and got mm-hmm. some appreciation and they did reissues and you know had another run just at least from uh you know the band reformed in different ways and were more relevant but in the 90s i mean they were not a band <laughs> you know that was uh influencing no, the, a lot the of folks. only thing that happened with them was that they put out that dedication greatest hits like, yeah there was nothing going on 
with that band. Yeah. And to me, it's just fun to listen to a band like this cover them because it it clues you in and how important that band is, mm-hmm. how much they influence, but also like how different people hear them, you know. And I right. think this band does a good job. It's a it's a believable cover for them, you know. If people don't know that this was a Thin Lizzy song, you know, I think it fits in the record. Uh, obviously, it's a little bluesier right out the bat, but I think overall it fits into the record really well and they do a good job making it their own. Yeah. Um, so as a thin, thin Lizzy um, fan, it's a lot of fun to kind of see another, you know, uh, broaden the spectrum in terms of the bands that, that that band has influenced and how they're interpreted. Reminded me a lot of how Fu Manchu uh picks and and interprets their covers Mm. if you think about like what they've done with everything from van halen to bach or yeah bachman turner overdrive to blue oyster colt i mean they have done some really interesting covers and their interpretations are always they sound like them um which this band does i I did want to highlight one of the songs that i really like especially the guitar part is Hey, Hey, Hey. It has these like bends, these, and the bend gets, um, it goes up the scale each time. Yep. And I, it's just, when people talk about the comparison to Caius, uh, I do get a bit of John Garcia mm. uh, yeah. with his vocal, uh, but that song is reminding me like, if you had just turned the fuzz up a little bit more on that song, that would totally be a Caius song. Like it would be up there with Creed Machine and and, and those kind of Gardenia. Yeah, to me, this band is like uh, I can hear the similarities, but they're more intense. Like there's right. a, a bit more angst and anger in them, um, or even power. Like I, I think that's the kind of metal I tend to gravitate to. Or mm-hmm. one of types is either stoner metal or or power metal, and this has um, at times almost like power kind of feel to it where it's you know these riffs that are you know epic feeling um and propulsive yeah i definitely hear i hear enough of a lot of different things that this would appeal to a lot of different metal fans there's a little there's like you said the power and the stoner there's there's some i hate to call it blues rock because that makes it sound like i'm talking about like pat travers or something (laughs) but there is like there is a a bluesy element to some of the riffs yeah. in the same way that like Corrosion of Conformity would do it in in the '90s or or Circus of Power yeah. or or those bands. And you're right, like hearing them do the cover, you're like okay, I the, you know they've got some. This isn't just like 
a band that is listening to just other bands similar to them like they have a a little bit of a, a, a or they have at least some depth of of knowledge um you know and it, it like it would have been obvious to cover like a black sabbath song right whereas thin lizzie's a, is definitely a more interesting choice uh what didn't work for you on the record well i think the the record takes some some steps that are a little mundane i think there's a material in here that isn't particularly unique i i think it's just a limitation maybe the vocal delivery mm-hmm. um where it becomes a bit predictable doesn't pay off in terms of any kind of like discernible chorus you know a song like you annoy me has a really cool riff and has a good energy but there's just not much of a chorus there um vocally so there, there's some songs on here that maybe the material, I, I don't know if it's the material or just the limitations of the vocal where it just doesn't really come together in a way that's super compelling. It right. does feel a little generic um, and can be almost any band. So while I think the album as a whole and the stronger material, you know, when you hear it, it sounds distinct and unique. There is some songs, there are some songs on here that if I was to just play one of them for you, um, you may not have that reaction. You might just say, oh, this is a generic metal band. Like, okay. You know, so I would say there's a good chunk of material on here that falls in that category that, that I don't think is spectacular. Yeah, I I mentioned earlier, I thought the front half was much stronger than the back half like a song like jawbreaker that just drags on a little bit too long for me at that tempo yeah um with that sort of dirge that's going on there and i think that this band and i think him as a vocalist works much better when he's in the vibe of shit kicker or sugarfoot or party girl like those are to me like i need i need energy yeah and then it feels like because when he, I think what happens is when he slows down, it turns into more yelling, and it's not necessarily yeah. my vibe. Yep. Um, I just I want some mid tempo to up tempo riffs, and he seems to really nail it on those songs. And I, you know, um, I don't think this is. I got to be in the mood for this record. Uh, this is not an all the time album for me, but when it is in the right moment. I think this record works really well as a whole. I just, there's just a couple songs and they tend to be the longer songs that are repetitive. Stoned in a car is over six minutes. I don't think it needs to be over six minutes. Yeah. That's, that's a bit much for me. This, um, so. I can imagine this record, another band that came to mind was the almighty. And I can imagine this record for me, had I heard it at the time, like 95, I probably would have loved it and it would have a totally different meaning to me now. Mm-hmm. Um, the same way, you know, had I not fallen in love with the, that almighty record that we reviewed at the time it came out and just heard it now, I probably would have had this, a similar reaction that you did where it wasn't quite as special. Um, so I could see myself really, you know, liking this record a whole lot more had I spent time with it then. Um, and the stuff that I'm not responding to well, probably just doesn't age as well. Uh, I think in 1995, it probably was spectacular. 
um, and it felt really vital. But, you know, this many years later and this many riffs later that my brain has heard and processed. Oh, um, yeah. Not all of it holds up as well. Yeah. So this comes out in 95. Um, It's on Hollywood record, which is a major at that point. I, I although I really like this record, I think there's some really cool choruses and amazing riffs. Like you mentioned, the drumming is really good. I don't see this. I mean, this is Headbangers Ball. Maybe they get a clip on Headbangers Ball if there's a video. I don't see this getting played on any sort of like mainstream radio, maybe college, but even college radio. This is like almost too straightforward for college radio. I mean, it has to be a specialty show. So I'm really curious as to why the band broke up then. Now they did go on to play in other bands after this, but nothing that I recognized in terms of being a a major name or anything like that. I thought maybe this would be a launching point for one of the guys, but do you hear any way that this is going to be like a mainstream? I mean, they have, they'd have to be like opening for Metallica on the load tour or something for people to hear them. There's, there's no singles here, right? This is a band that if they, well, a lot of the bands we talked about also weren't successful in the way that we're talking. So right. having radio hits. If you found success, it was because you just endured through live shows. You know, mm-hmm. you just found a core audience enough to support you to continue to put records out and tour. And then over time, you've just built and built and built up momentum and you've got enough fans there to, you know, support, um, you know, a, a living wage and career. So. Right. I think this is a band that we just need to like have just committed to, okay, we're staying together. We're just going to keep pushing this and make it work. I, I don't think, or, you know, I could hear like on a future release, you know, taking kind of a monster magnet approach or something like that, where it's like, okay, we're, you know, they write some songs that are like legit radio hits, you know, they've just right. got those elements, which this album doesn't have. Right. And in the same way that like, you know, uh helmet put out strap it on and then followed that up with meantime and that's got unsung on it which squeezes into mtv rotation and at the beginning of the 90s which is enough to sort of like keep them relevant for the rest of the decade you know people at least know their name they get on tours um that sort of thing you know like tad didn't get that single really yeah Yep. So they didn't go that way. If I could imagine, like you said, like on like Brain Freeze has an, has just enough of like an Allison Chains riff to it that like I could see on the next record if they had made one where they could have like a, an Allison Chains style single. Yep. Um, if they you know for one song or or a couple of songs sort of dialed down the yelling and, and they'd have and, to sort out the vocal. Like yeah. you'd have to be confident enough as a delivering some kind of melodic or spoken even kind of delivery and if, you, radio. and if you think back to helmet i mean helmet was Paige hamilton was on certain songs he was sort of singing and in, in, a, in a regular voice and then other songs he was yelling i don't know what this guy's singing voice would sound like but the the guttural you know end of it is perfectly legitimate but it's not going to get you on kiss fm well nothing is <laughs>
get into our ratings for this album. We'll we'll give the uh, the poll results result over at Patreon. First, Jay, where do you end up on this? Where the album better EP or decent single? Boy, I'm right on the edge between EP and album. Um, I'm gonna go with an EP and uh, Party Girl, which is probably the most single f- to me, the most single-oriented re- song on the record. Sugarfoot, Shit Kicker, Stone and Car. Even though it's long, I really like that riff, that kind of ascending riff, and just how that it's just a cool dynamic. Miscalculate, Brain Freeze, and I'm Okay, and then the cover, Don't Believe a Word, which is you know roughly half the record, even though it's not a long record. You know, just going by track count, I'm on board for about you know just a little bit over half of this. So you're you're at a better EP. Okay. I'm I'm gonna go with a worthy album. I would drop Stoned in Car, Jawbreaker, Slack. So that's three songs. It's taking me to ten songs. I I'm good with those ten songs. Cause that's I mean, that's <laughs> cutting out like thirteen minutes of a forty-eight minute. You're getting down to thirty something minutes. That's a pretty yep. tight record. Sure. For ten songs. And I mean, that's for this band, I think that would be a kick ass. 10 song album. Yeah. Um, so for the first time in history, Jay, uh, everyone voted the same way at Patreon. A hundred percent of the votes went to where the album. Wow. Yeah. They disagree with you. They're coming. Sorry. I got it. The, uh, the, 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 um, discord community is going to be, they were already, already Jay, uh, grumbling about your EP for rusty. So this is going um, to I feel like I'm on a string of EPs here. I need something to break it. You are you are going to be testing their resolve uh with this EP for Wicker Man. Uh but we need to thank Chris Martz, who uh from the Appalachian Trail sent us this really interesting record. So glad we got to check it out because never would have found it. Uh one and done from the Chicago band. It's not streaming, so you have to go to YouTube if you want to listen to it. Hopefully at some point. Or no people. You could join our Discord and no people. Yeah, that's also true. Maybe you just find a link to download it and and flack. Right. There you go. It's also available at Discogs. I mean, there's a lot of copies of the the CD you can pick up for two bucks as well. We should try to... Is there like an affiliates program for Discogs? I feel like we would make some coin. I know. Off of that. uh, (laughs) I agree. Not that I'm aware of. We would be pulling in pennies uh, an episode, Jay, because uh, uh, <laughs> where else are you going to get this? You're not. Or we should buy up all those all those copies and then uh, start our own store, the Dig Me Out episode store. Yeah. Like, did you enjoy this record? Here, you can buy it from us for five bucks on a pristine, newly cleaned CD. <laughs> you're gonna clean all the cds i will i'll get my i will get out my little uh my eyeglass uh uh felt uh, uh rag and i'll clean mm. the cds individually and then send them to you with a proof of uh of cl- cleanliness that this has been professionally cleaned by the dig me out staff uh, uh so chris thank you we look forward to when you're back on a future episode whether that's new metal or not uh, we will be having a new metal ish episode coming up uh you'll have to stick around to find out what that is it's not going to uh 
I'm not going to spoil it, but uh, something's happening soon, and you're going to have to find out by uh, going to a, a Patreon. Maybe you'd know. You you would know. You'd know right now what that is if you join us at Patreon. It's uh, digmeoutunion.com or dmounion.com. That's where we vote uh, for things, or we have our patrons vote for things like albums each month, uh, roundtables, 80s episodes, which are exclusive to our Patreon community. It's also where you get access to our Discord, where all the things are happening, all the discussions. And uh, it's also where you can read the box newsletter. It goes out, which you can sign up for at digmeoutpodcast.com. Box newsletter delivered every week to your email inbox, features new reviews every week of new albums, books, and movies and TV shows relevant to 80s and 90s music, um, as well as all the new releases that are relevant to uh, the podcast each week. And then uh, it's also, if you go to digmeoutpodcast.com, where you can go to suggest an album that will go into the hopper for our monthly suggest an album uh, poll. And lastly, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us some positive feedback over at Apple Podcasts. So for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out.